Welcome to episode 284 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was engineered on Monday 4th of October 2021. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA. Jensen USA, where you will find a great selection of products at unbeatable prices with unparalleled customer service. Check them out at jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. Hey everybody, it's David from the Fredcast, and of course, I'm one of the hosts and producers of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast since 2006. For show notes, links, and other information, check out our website at www.the-spokesman.com. And now, here's my fellow host and producer, Carlton Reed and The Spokesman. Birmingham City Council has just launched its radical and potentially transformative transport plan. The UK's motorway city is to prioritise people over cars, including adding more protected cycleways. I'm Carlton Reid, and in this 50-minute episode, we hear from Birmingham City Council's transport lead, Wasim Zafar, and the very personal reasons why he converted to pedalling from being a petrol head. If Britain's Detroit can prioritise people over car, any city can do it. This interview formed the basis for a news story which I wrote for today's Guardian. And here's Wasim. So Wasim, thank you for ever so much for for uh, talking to me and thanks of course for for sending through the, the the plan which is no longer a draft plan it's a real thing coming up absolutely long time coming um, but, um we would have loved to have adopted this a lot sooner but the pandemic um created some challenges particularly around resources and uh, our priorities as a as a council slightly shifted but in between we did have the emergency birmingham transport plan which followed the same uh, four key principles um, of the, the the Birmingham Transport Plan. Now, this is, I'm going to compliment you here in that I could have written this. This is the plan I would have written. I mean, I might have been a bit more radical here and there, but not a great deal. So that, that says to me it's quite radical. It is radical because Birmingham needs a, a, a radical shift in how people move across our city. Um, we've we've got major challenges. We've got major environmental challenges. Um, you know, our challenges around air quality are, are, are very well publicised. We've got major challenges around climate change, where the biggest gas emissions contributor in our city and across our country is transport. But more more importantly, even than that, those are really important. But more importantly than that, Colton, we have major health inequalities. So I see this less of a tra- as a transport project, but more as a project around making our communities and our neighbourhoods a lot healthier um, through active travel, getting people at their cars on those short journeys and getting people walking, getting people cycling. Um, you know, we've got the e-scooter trial as well. And th- this is all a shift from single occupancy private car towards more sustainable modes of transport. Then buses, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the tram is really important to us, uh, but it's, it's, it hasn't got the coverage anywhere near the coverage that we need. Uh, our local trains are really important. We're expanding on them, but they've got nowhere near the coverage that we need. So the buses are absolutely vital in our city, and we have to give them the level of priority that that they need. So this 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 plan is about giving buses a greater level of priority in, in our city, um, and and, I, and I'm I'm absolutely convinced once we start to get this delivered, 
uh, some aspects we've been trialing through the emergency Birmingham transport plan. But once we start to get this delivered and the, you know, the key principle delivered across communities and start to recreate places in our neighbourhoods, which are more friendly to people over cars, um, we will see a real shift in, ha- in people's patterns. There will be a cultural shift to more walking and cycling, which will make people live fit and healthy and longer in our city. Mm. Now, you had the, the, the draft plan went out to public consultation. You had 619 responses from individuals, 44 from organisations. So just going to that 619, is that really representative? Because that's 619 people in a, in a city of lots of people. So, Carlton, it's also always a challenge in how people respond to our consultations. Uh, the council carries out consultations uh, and, and on, an, on a variety of things, often statutory consultations, and we don't get the, anywhere near the response that we need. Uh, obviously, some of the biggest consultations we've carried out have been linked to, to, to transport environment. The Clean Air Zone was a 10,000-plus response consultation. We had over 6,500 responses on our bus uh, survey that we did and consultation that we did. So, um, you know, we were out there. We were talking about the Birmingham Transport Plan. We we received a lot of local, regional, national, even international coverage on this too. So we, we didn't, in a way, um, hide this consultation behind loads of pages on our website. This was very much out there. Um, and, and I'd like to think I've been very, very much out there myself, um, not hiding behind council officers or, or the stakeholders talking about these plans because these are these are plans that mean you know obviously that a lot of people have been part of this but these are politicians who are making the decisions and i always believe firmly that popular or unpopular politicians need to front up these decisions mm. now the in in the report to, to cabinet you say the response to those 619 responses and the 44 from organizations were largely positive including on the things that potentially uh, you might think if you're incredibly pro-car, wouldn't be so uh, popular. So the cycling infrastructure, the walking infrastructure and buses, all of these were, were actually quite popular. So what does that say about the, the kind of the trope out there that you can't do these kind of things because they're not going to be popular? So Galton, in the three and a half years I've been in this job, um, the, the thing I've realised is the, the, the challenge and the heartache um, is generally with the disruption that projects cause. Um, once you start, people, communities start to see the benefits of a project, um, they and the long-term benefits of a project, they are very, very supportive. So I think it's, it's sort of looking beyond the, the actual delivery uh, and the implementation of a project and looking at the, the, the benefits that really work. And, and I know there's people out there um, who... You know, our, our our blue cycling lanes are probably the most one of the most popular things the council's done in a long time. We've got, got a lot. Of, I was talking to actually Ruth Cabri MP at Labour conference. She's originally from Birmingham. She visits her mom in Birmingham, um, and she's the chair of the All Party Parliamentary Group on Walking and Cycling. And she she was travelling on those blue cycle lanes recently, and she was extremely positive about them. So, I think people um, and, and in our community, citizens of Birmingham. Um, want these changes it's just whilst there's all this work taking place in our city at the moment and obviously the games the Commonwealth Games have been a catalyst for investment and a catalyst for change there's quite a there's quite a lot happening which is creating some disruption but I can assure them that um, you know 
as we end this year, those projects will start to come to an end and then people will start to see the benefits of it. So I think people are starting to understand because we're out there talking to as many people as possible about the long-term benefits of projects. I think they are starting to get more support to what we're doing. And obviously there's there's some projects like the low traffic neighbourhoods in and we've seen the, the issues in King's Eve, um, which, some, which are very, very popular in some quarters and not so popular amongst others. But it's about getting the balance right and ensuring that we do everything possible to bring everybody on this journey with us. Um, and and we, you might have noticed we've launched the consultation, formal consultation, for the, the temporary measures in King's Eve and also uh, move forward to the expansion of the the, 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 the low traffic neighbours across other areas in King's Eve and Mosley too. Um, so we're, 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 it's one thing that certainly happens in, around transport, it gets communities talking, it gets people, you, you always got an opinion about a change in the way a road uh, or a piece of highway uh, currently exists and always moving into to, to a new way of doing things. So people always have an opinion. Mm. Uh, very loud opinion sometimes. Now, how much different is this plan compared to the 2020 draft one? In in wording, how much has been changed? So to, to be honest with you, because we've got um, we've got considerable support, not just from people but also from key stakeholders. Um, it's 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 the, the key principles of the, are literally the same. The that the project is the, the, this plan is very similar to the draft plan. Um, the, the obviously COVID created massive challenges, but the one opportunity it did create is we could we tested out some of these principles. We tested out low traffic neighbourhoods. We tested out pop up cycle lanes. We tested out the city centre segments, and and you know that that gave us the ability. Uh, I'm not saying first time around all of those things are absolutely perfect, but when we start to embed them in permanently, we will get very very close to. Uh, the the ideal uh, the ideal project with respect to that so um, th- there has been that that massive opportunity but because and we've also obviously rolled out the clean air zone since then as well uh, which has been really successful in in its first few months and I, I know it's going to get uh, it's, it's it's going the, the success levels are going to increase and increase and increase until we don't need a clean air zone um, mm. so uh, it's very 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 similar to where we were okay. So the current fuel shortages on the news all the time at the moment, it shows how reliant we, I'm saying we, people in general, it's, it appears from the media, are on, on, on petrol and on, on uh, dotting around in private cars and how scared the government clearly are at upsetting motorists. So the transport plan was clearly written uh, long before the current woes. But does all that TV and media coverage, does that, does that keep you awake at night thinking, I'm going to get so much stick here when it, when it actually comes, when we start delivering it on the ground? So, Colton, um, we're, we're one of the original motor cities um, and, and car will always have a, a role within Birmingham. But it's, it's the, the issue is the over-reliance of car in our city, particularly the over-reliance of single occupancy journeys in, our car, in, in, in using car. And the fact that we've got 300,000 journeys every day, uh, these are pre-COVID figures, obviously, 300,000 journeys every day by car, which are less than one mile. <laughs> that's, that's not how I want Birmingham, mm. my city, uh, mm. to progress. I want, I want people to be able to, you know, going back to the health uh, inequalities I referred to earlier, I want people to be able to walk and cycle those journeys, enjoy their communities, enjoy their neighbourhoods, enjoy the space around them. Um, and and for that you need that that cultural shift. 
Um, and one one other thing we've realised, um, particularly during the pandemic, people want cleaner air. Um, and if we are to get cleaner air, we have to shift the way that we move across the city. There is no two ways about it. So whilst um, there, there are projects, um, you know, the clean air zone made me very unpopular. Uh, in the north of the city where I live and, and represent, uh, the, the, the A34 highways project made me unpopular. But I, I often say I, did, I didn't come into politics to win popularity contests. I came into politics to change lives for the better. And I'm convinced projects such as the Clean Air Zone, which will save lives, um, it will ensure that kids who are currently living six months left, less in our city because of mm. the levels of air pollution will grow up fitter and healthier. Um, I'm convinced that Perry Bar in the north of Birmingham will be one of the most connected neighbourhoods around with segregated cycling, a new train station, a new bus interchange, a bus rapid transit route and bus priority like no other place in Birmingham. These are the changes we're making to people's lives that um, is just a start because this transport plan is about a, a vision for the foreseeable future and looking at how we can create similar changes right across the city. Um, so whilst at times I, it, 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 you know, the, the challenge and the criticism and the trolling um, does have an impact on me, I'd lie to say if it didn't have, it didn't have an impact on me, but I look at the long-term benefits Mm-hmm. Um, and this is about, you know, I'm in a hugely privileged position to be able to change my city for the better. And this is my city. This is where I was born. This is where I've grown up. I'm the proudest Brummie there is. And this is where my family will and my kids will grow up. Um, and, and I, you know, I want to look back at this exciting period of uh, my career and say I, I was I was able to play uh, a very small role in making Birmingham that amazing place that it will be coming forward. You're not taking an all modes are equal approach here. You know, you're not boosting all modes, you know, adding cycleways, but leaving motoring intact. You're actively talking about reducing motoring. So that's not just bold. Isn't that electoral suicide for a politician? (laughs) Um, Carlton, um, if if we're going to reverse the health inequalities, if we're going to tackle air quality, the the, the you know a, th- a thousand people dying prematurely every year in Birmingham because of air pollution, um, if we're going to become carbon neutral by twenty thirty, um, there has to be some radical, bold, and brave steps, and this Birmingham transport plan is 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 one of them. Um, and I'm convinced. I speak to people who drive. Um, they, their challenge is the public transport system isn't good enough. Uh, people who use public transport tell me that it's not reliable enough. So if we can increase the reliability of the public transport system, if we can get more zero emission buses, which we're working on, we've got 20 hydrogen buses, we've got a bid for 200 through the zebra route. Um, you know, we get the, the greenest buses in Birmingham. We get more reliability in the bus services. People will decide to give up on their cars. People will decide to leave their cars at home um, and, and travel by, by public transport. So, um I, I, I'm I'm convinced that this is this is the right time for Birmingham to be making these bold moves so close to the, the games, um the HS2 around the corner. We need to provide these integrated trans public transport solutions uh and rather than making decisions as we have for decades, which prioritize cars over everything else. And you know, we've ended up with the gridlock city. 
We've ended up with uh, the, the, the challenges that I've referred to and with 150,000 more residents expected over the next um, next few years here in our city, if we don't have this cultural shift away from private car uh, and reduce the reliance of private car, we're going to end up, you know, if it's gridlocked already, God forbid what our city will look like moving forward. So this change is needed. It will happen. And I'm convinced the people of this city um, will not... Um, Will, will not oppose these plans uh, electorally or in any other way. So you said brave and you said bold. And then in the plan itself, there's radical, there's transformative, there's seismic. These are scary words we've seen from most people because people don't like change, even if it's potentially could improve their lives. It's just they like to you know see things that, that they've always uh, done. So why have you used such, in effect, triggering words in in your in your document could you have not sugarcoated it a bit more bring in the change slowly perhaps even by stealth so people didn't notice the changes Carter when you put yourself forward for public office when you put yourself forward to represent the people um, uh, of the city like I have you put your head above the parapet uh, and, and you do that uh, understanding the consequences. Um, I'm I'm absolutely confident. Uh, I've got some of the best officers in local government working with me. I talk to stakeholders all the time. I talk to communities all the time. I listen to people who are critical of these plans and I listen to people who are supporting these plans. Um, so I'm, I'm very rooted back to where how, how this will impact on, on people. I absolutely believe um, that there's just two things a politician has to do. One, you have to be open, transparent, honest with people. So sugarcoating is not the way I do things. Uh, and and two, you have to front the decisions you're making. You can't hide behind council officers. Uh, you can't hide behind press officers. You need to, be, a decision that's got your name on it, you need to be able to sell it and convince the people. And if you can't sell it and convince the people, you should not be making that decision. Um, and, and that I, I believe that you know those are very very important values of how I operate as a politician, and and you know I'm, I'm uh, and I also absolutely live um, what I what I say. You know I, I I absolutely believe in in these things. I believe they're the right things for 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 me, my family who live in in this city, for my constituents, and for the the, the wider city. Um, and, and I think you know in you know, it's like the clean air zone. Um, leading up to the clean air zone, the launch of the clean air zone, my inbox was full of people challenging and criticizing the project. And they have every right to do that because I absolutely believe in uh, freedom of speech and I believe in democracy, which is about challenging and holding people to account. I believe in that. But, but the level of um, the, the complaints diminished literally the moment we launched. Because a lot of people were obviously comparing the clean air zone to the congestion zone in London th- thought they were all going to be impacted by it rather than just the polluting cars being impacted by by that project. And I'm, I'm convinced that you know the, the, the initiatives within this um, will bring about long-term benefits to our communities and they will understand that. Well, are you a convert to all these ideas? Were you in, in your youth? Were you a bit of a petrol head or have you always been this way minded? So Carlton, um, you couldn't get me out of my car four years ago. 
Um, I was I would I would take those journeys less than one mile by car. Um, I hadn't been on a, on, on a bus since my university days, um, and I, I'd never cycled, never ever cycled until uh, the summer of 2018. Um, so when I started to look at the consequences that people, the, the, the decisions I was making, the, that, the impact that I that was having on me and my health, I'm a type 2 diabetic, and my health was really diminishing a few years ago. Um, and then I started to understand, you know, my father was a taxi driver in Birmingham. Um, in 2009, February, he suddenly died at the age of 54. And every day I think about the consequences of it, him and his job being behind a wheel of a car, earning a living for me and my mum and my siblings to put bread on our table, how that led ultimately led to his untimely demise. Um you know, he was, he was, his health, he's a type 2 diabetic. We had it under control. His health condition was pretty good. Just, just went overnight. Um, so I, I absolutely think about this. And I, you know, one of the biggest groups that's challenged me in the city has been taxi drivers. Before I became a counselor, I was a trade union rep for taxi drivers in Birmingham. And I, I often talk to them about the impact that sitting behind a wheel for the, the long hours they do in polluting areas has on their health. This is about reversing their health inequalities and making them live longer and stronger and healthier lives. So I'm absolutely a convert. I, I, I you know, I, there's still a lot more I can do. I can walk a lot more. Uh, I, ironically, I, I, I was at Labour Conference and I, I did a remarkable amount of steps during that during the conference, which I found fascinating. Um, I could do a lot more steps when I'm, you know, walking. I could do a lot more cycling. Um, but I'm absolutely, you know, these changes will, 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 you know, make people in our city healthier. No one needs to tell me about the health inequalities in our city because I represent the ward with the lowest male life expectancy. I represent the ward which had the least amount of resilience amongst its people and led to uh, it being uh, very badly hit during the COVID pandemic. Um, we, we, we have to change people's lives and this is one way of doing it. Mm. So you mentioned the Labour conference there, uh, but the policies you're, you're bringing in, perhaps bizarrely, are actually an awful lot of them you could find in the Tory manifesto now. So, you know, Labour and, and, and Tories maybe agree on these things. It doesn't, doesn't always happen in, you know, Tory councils. Um, and it has been the Labour councils that have been taking, in effect, Tory policies or the way that the Tories are now allowing councils to do these policies if, if they so choose. So there's, there's no conflict, there's no right or left in this anymore, is there? So um, I always say in politics, we, we agree on a lot more than we disagree. Um, and the Conservatives have taken different positions. So the Birmingham Conservatives are very much opposed to our plans. Uh, they they are uh, convinced that car needs to remain king in our city. They, that, that, that's their position. Um, they, they, they've been opposed to the clean air zone. They've been opposed to the emergency transport plan. They're opposed to the Birmingham transport plan and the principles within that. Uh, they've taken a certain position. Um, I'm... I'm not a fan of Boris Johnson. Uh, no, no, uh, no prizes for for guessing that right. But one thing I, I I've got 
where I where I do agree with Boris is his views in some aspects around active travel. I know as a mayor of London, he did a you know a lot of good stuff around that, um, and I and I, I genuinely think him and Andrew Gilligan are absolutely understand the importance of the the, the shift from car to more sustainable modes of transport. So I think the the Conservatives nationally understand the importance of this better than the Birmingham Conservatives, who I think. So can you not just hit them over the head with, this is what your leader says, guys. Why are you opposing this? This is what your leader says. Listen to your leader. I, I often do in the council chamber. <laughs> they've stopped asking me questions. Um, but they, they, they're in a totally different place. And Andy Street, um, the, the mayor of the West Midlands, is stuck between the two. Um, he's, <coughs> he's done some good stuff around active travel too, but I know he, he his uh, position on the clean air zone has shifted over time. Is is now more opposed to it than supportive of it, um, but I, I think the, the local conservatives are more concerned about what's going to happen in the May twenty two elections in Birmingham rather than making sure our communities are living longer and fitter and healthier lives. Uh, so they're more um, they're, they're priority right now is the politics rather than the people of this city, which is a shame because I'd rather all the parties came together to work on this very very important agenda. Uh, I'm not saying you're going to get voted out here because what you've said there before was, you know, these can be electorally popular. But theoretically, could all of this be reversed if the the council flipped in uh, in 22? So we, we introduced the Birmingham Clean Air Zone because there was a ministerial direction and our modelling showed the only way to address the, the ministerial direction was through the introduction of a, um, a, D, a CAS-D. The ministers signed that off. The ministers and civil servants absolutely said this is the right way to do it. Local conservatives right now are promising the people of Birmingham they're going to reverse that. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know what modelling they've done, what alternatives they've got other than some green walls. So they can promise, they're in opposition, they can promise anything and everything. Mm. Um, But ultimately, uh, the people of Birmingham will see beyond those false promises. The people of Birmingham will vote for a council um, and a political party that's delivered for them and vote for a political party that has the right vision uh, at this particular time for Birmingham because these things are needed. There is an urgency. It's absolutely the right way to, to, to work. Uh, and I'm convinced we will once again win comprehensively. We've got a um, two-thirds majority in the council chamber and I, I can't see that changing. Mm-hmm. So before, Basim, you mentioned uh, low traffic neighbourhoods and, and, and the ones you've, you've brought in. With the segmentation plan, where each you know, part of the, the city is going to be different, you can't use it as a, as a, as a through route every segment, um, would it be fair to call the, 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 the centre of Birmingham one big LTN? Um, it, so the centre of Birmingham, we're prioritising... Um, cycling walking on public transport um and, and in essence that is um that is the 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 key thing of a, of a low traffic neighborhood so th- there's various versions of low traffic neighborhoods so the version in king's Heath is very different to the version in lazelle's that I'm, I'm implementing where um low traffic neighbors are one one-way circulars that reduce uh the, the traffic flow in residential areas and you can you can technically uh, say that the the, the, the city centre segment is about it's, it's certainly about reducing car through travel through travel. So it is reducing it is in essence reducing 
uh, car journeys through through the city centre. You could say it's a low traffic neighbourhood. Yeah, you could you could mm. say it's one big low traffic neighbourhood. Mm. Mm. Uh, local press supportive, critical, neutral. Um, so it d- d- depends d- d- depends on what gets the clicks these days. <laughs> uh, um, but I, I think there's a, there's been a lot of support for for, for some of these initiatives and. For some, there, there, there's been challenge. Um, you know, the the you know, I, I still I, when we launched the clean air zone, we did we did a lot of media. Um, oh God, I, I don't know how many interviews I did that particular day. Uh, it's it's a record that will never ever be. Um, and I, I still remember one particular thing I did, and that was the ITV Central. Uh, program they did from the Fireways Island, a hotel on the Fireways Island, where they spent the whole half an hour talking about the importance of uh, cleaner air, improving air quality, and the wider environmental challenges. And I was, I just walked away thinking, thank you, that was brilliant. That that is exactly the how we need local media to support, uh, and not just our efforts, but to to really push forward the the, the environmental challenges and the health challenges that we've got in our city. Um, I, I've also, you know, sat for. A number of hour-long um, audience phone call-ins with with the BBC Radio locally, and that's been very very difficult. Um, but I've sat there and I've listened and I've gone back uh, and I've listened and I've responded as best as I can. Uh, so we're out there. We're very open and um, um, you know we we don't uh, you know just to repeat I don't hide behind the decisions and the policies that I bring forward. Um, but I, th- I think people are starting to understand the importance of them. Mm. Now, in, in the in the in the plan, I can only find one. I might have, might not have got this. There might be somewhere else. But I can only find one mention of autonomous vehicles. Many other places, and if, even if you listen to, to to Grant Chaps at times, you know, it, autonomous vehicles and 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 electric cars, but certainly autonomous vehicles. You know, that's the future. That's that's what's going to rescue us. That's going to be the, the the thing that gets everybody out of their cars because there'll just be these, these autonomous uh, cars uh, dotting around. But you, so you have mentioned it, and you, you you say you know the technology is being developed uh, in in part in in the Birmingham region, but then you haven't majored on autonomous vehicles there. So uh, would it be right to think that you're quite ambivalent towards how quickly these can actually be brought in, and certainly not within you know the nine year. Um, 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 framework you've got to work to. So, God, the, the technology is, is is developing really, really quickly, and I'm really excited about all sorts of, of developments. And autonomous vehicles is certainly one of those. Um, I think we, we are we're absolutely on board. We're absolutely committed. We're working very closely with the combined authority uh, and transport West Midlands with the combined authority uh, and other partners, uh, the, the local university, are looking at how. We can benefit from that. Being a 5G pilot city as well, uh, looking at how uh, better communication can can also help some of the technological advances that will be made. Um, so absolutely, we're not trying to water um, the, 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 the future for autonomous vehicles. We're actually excited by it. Um, and, and maybe if we had, had asked you to write this transport plan for us, you would have made it far greater than we have. No, no, I'm pretty much <laughs> dead against them because I don't think they're going to exist um, for all sorts of different uh, uh, reasons. Anyway, maybe trucks on motorways, but that's it. Um, so, so one of the things that you've 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 you say in there is uh, the removal of footway parking. 
which absolutely is another one of those, you know, touching the third rail uh, sort of things. Um, but doesn't that require national legislation? I, I know that, you know, the 1834 Highway Act gives people the powers, but you still need central government to, to back you up here. Absolutely. We need central government to back us up in two ways, give us extra powers and, and also give us the resources to, to, to implement some of these things. Um, you know, parking on, on pavements is is something which, you know, blights a lot of communities. And I, and I sometimes get really frustrated, particularly with uh, the, those people who have accessibility issues or mums who've got prams with their babies in them. Uh, and cars are in the way. It just frustrates me, angers me. Um, and, and I've always said the amount of space that we waste with parked vehicles is also a, a major challenge. So as we move forward, um, you know, we want those extra powers. But I also think this plan will help reset the relationship between the citizens of Birmingham and car. Um, and I hope people will become less reliant on cars uh, and you've got some households with no cars in the city, and you've got some households mm. with four or five cars in the city. Um, and, and that is the sort of place where we need absolutely need to reset that. Um, so h- hopefully people won't need that amount of cars in a household and we can start to get away with some car. I, I remember reducing a car in our house, so I sold my car back in, I think, 2018. Um, and, you know, I, I, I sometimes have to drive and borrow my wife's car. Other times I, I walk, cycle. Uh, uh, get the bus or even get an e-scooter. Um, uh, so it's about how we can manage and design our lives in a different way where it's the whole focus in our cars. Um, but yes, the, the pavements, we, 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 we do need those extra powers from government to be able to do a lot more. And I think Isn't it a case of just, sorry, isn't it a case of just getting the police on board? Because the, the powers are there. You can get, you can, you can book motorists for obstruction of the footway if the police are involved, it, it's when it's, you know, civil enforcement, that doesn't work. Um, but it's when the police, so the police generally around the country, apart from London, where the rules are a bit different, they can enforce this should they choose to do so. So if it's, you know, local politicians say to Westminster police, right, from now on, you you give somebody a ticket if they're parked on the pavement. So what more powers do you need? The powers are there. They're just not currently used by the police. Carlton, um, I'm not sure if... My sergeant, who 10 years ago had uh, twice the number of officers he's got now, mm. I'm not sure I could tell him to go and book those cars parked on the pavements or find those people who are creating major... Uh, he'd earn a lot of money, Wasim. If you started booking people for parking on the pavement, it's so endemic, you'd be in billions in, 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 in credit very soon. But they... Uh, trust me, the, 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 the cuts that we've had to the West Pinners Police... Uh, and and police forces up and down this country has uh, has really hindered their ability to do some of the very important basic things that they need to be doing. I'm somebody who's I, I've made it very clear I will never criticise police officers because the p- politicians who made decisions have really hindered their ability to carry out the to carry out the service that they they want to do and they can do. So um, you know I, I meet regularly with senior police officers. I'm meeting the police and crime commissioner next week. Um, and, and, and we're talking about some of these issues that, that you brought up, but uh, there is a real lack of resources. You know, I've got a serious issue right now around the uh, enforcement against private e-scooters, um, you know, which, which, is, which is a challenge in our city. But again, where do, where do I get the resources uh, to the police to be able to do that? 
So mm. I think that the government really need to look at uh, how they're resourcing um, the police and the wider public sector to, to do the things that desperately are needed in our community. I've got the, yeah. I tell you what the answer is, Carlton. The answer is a Keir Starmer government investing into our communities and investing into neighbourhood policing uh, the way that the last Labour government did. That was the level of investment we need in our in, in our policing. Mm. So the, your plan says... Uh, the growth in the number of vehicles on the roads needs to be contained. That's pretty explosive. Uh, but it isn't every English person's right to drive where they want, when they want. You're taking away, Wasim, you're taking away people's freedom. So I'm, I'm not stopping people from driving. Um, the clean air zone hasn't stopped anyone driving into the city centre. The, uh, the, 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 the city centre segments will still... You could still get to every bit of the city centre uh, by the one or two extra expansions on the pedestrianisation that we're making. Um, the the low traffic neighbourhoods we've, we've, we've brought in, you could still get to every single house or shop within the city, um, with the exception of uh, some small pedestrianisation we've done. So um, we're, we're not stopping anybody. But what we're saying is we need to rebalance the use of car. Um, and, and one way of doing that is looking at other alternatives. So right now you can you can you can walk, you can use a variety of different modes of public transport. Um, you can use e-scooters. You can hire a West Midlands bike share, uh, a, a cycle from the West Midlands bike share project. Um, so there's a whole range of alternatives. Uh, we've got to increase the obviously the, the cycling e-scooter infrastructure, particularly segregated cycling, to make it safer for people to do so. We've got to improve the reliability. So the alternatives are there, and the alternatives will grow and grow. Um, so we're not stopping anybody from driving, uh, but we're just um, encouraging them uh, to look at modal shift in, and, and particularly modal shift to more sustainable modes of transport. Mm. So if, the, if this plan... Uh, doesn't get voted through, so that's that's option three. What's going to happen to Birmingham? I'm very confident that this plan will be voted through the, by the cabinet because this is a me on my own who's worked on this project. I've got the very strong support of the leader of Birmingham City Council and all my cabinet colleagues, and and in fact, um, I've got support from the Labour Group and the Labour Party who are absolutely determined that these are the right decisions at the right time for our city and decisions which are absolutely needed. There is, there is no other alternative. Um, and I'm confident that the, that the people of this city, when they start to uh, witness and live the benefits of this project, will absolutely appreciate that we will be making the right decision for the city of Birmingham. And that's a key point, Wasim. So when? So I noticed there's a, something called, and I like the fact that it's got two words in here, uh, the Birmingham Transport Plan Delivery Plan. Um, but when I read through that, I couldn't actually see the when. I, I didn't see, you know, when physically these things are going to be put on the ground. And for instance, is the segmentation plan, is that all going to go in overnight, like like happening in Ghent, or are these things going to be built and, and, and done over a longer period of time? So we want to deliver uh, a lot. You know, we've got some quick wins. And, and as I said earlier, the emergency transport plan and the, um, the the active travel resource that we got from the government has enabled us to trial some of these things out. So some aspects of these will be implemented really, really quickly. 
Um, we're looking at making a lot of the pop-up cycle lanes that we introduced permanent very, very quickly. The city centre segments, I think, will move really quickly. And um, I think, you know, obviously embedding all the changes in at the same time could be challenging. But, we, will, you know, th there's a likelihood a lot of that can happen really quickly because we've trialled out a lot of this through the emergency transport plan measures. Um, but the, the, the low traffic neighbourhoods will, you know, there's been some, it's not been all um, straightforward and we, we, we need to, we need to ensure that we do it right and we do it with the people of Birmingham rather than to the people of Birmingham. Um, and I've always said we will engage, 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 uh, and then uh, through the engagement, co-design and co-produce, and then carry out the statutory consultations. Or we want to work with local communities to get this absolutely right. Uh, so some things will happen really quickly. Some things will take a lot of time. And, and But I'm very confident that the key principles around this plan uh, will, will, will be... Um, Will, will, will kind of keep us focused on what we're doing and how we're doing it in the city. Uh, resources are really important. So getting the, and, and some of these things um, cost a lot of money to deliver. So, you know, we'll go with the begging bowl to government at every opportunity to ask them for the resources to be able to deliver this. And I'm actually, you know, going back to Boris, I'm, I'm confident uh, that Boris and Grant Chaps and Andrew Gilligan will understand that Birmingham is actually on a, uh, on a journey that they will support um, so a Conservative government and a Labour council working together to deliver this could be it could happen in, for the next couple of years that this Conservative government's in office. Mm. I'll go back to the, the when. I know it's difficult because it, it, it is uh, something that has to be worked through and there is a plan for the plan. But when I did that Guardian article, and it's now a couple of years ago when I did that Guardian article, so the, the Deputy Mayor of Ghent, when I asked him, you know, what, what would be your advice to Birmingham when they're doing this, this traffic segmentation plan? And I'm sure you remember, he said, uh, as well as, you know, you'll hear birdsong and you've got to bring everybody with you, blah, 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 blah. It was, you've got to do it overnight. You just got to, you, you can't pussyfoot around. You can't take six months to do this. You do it overnight. So the, the segmentation plan, is that something that you think might have to be done in the same way. You just, Sunday night is when it's done, and Monday morning is when it uh, is all in place. So, Carlton, the, the, in terms of the segment plan, most of it I think is already in place um, through the through the the the, the short term measures we bought in during COVID. Um, it's about making it permanent very quickly. So, I think a lot of the citizens. This won't come as a, a surprise. In fact, when we recently launched a consultation around this, I think some of the residents and some of the people visiting our city were thinking these are further measures that we're bringing in. Uh, there are some further measures from the original. So uh, I, I know my officers are working very closely with a wide range of stakeholders. I know they've spoken to people in Get and other places too. Um, but Birmingham is different, so... We will make the right decision, but I absolutely understand what the, the, the what what the deputy mayor is saying and what you're uh, uh, what you're also saying, and, and if required, we will do that. Um, but I think most of the, the 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 segments are already in place, and those those segments that are there, and it, it's generally uh, that ring road. Um, that's kind of great, fantastic for those those segments, and they'll eventually uh, gain the the clean air and and health benefits, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
But isn't it the suburbs? Isn't it like, you know, the seven, ten miles out? That's where the real car use takes place. So so how are you going to affect change in Erdington and in places that are way beyond the city centre? That's a very valid question. This transport plan is not about the city centre. This transport plan is about the entire city. Uh, And I know um, historically at times the the, the local authority has been perceived and possibly rightly so to be very city centre focused. And the city centre is absolutely important. You know, you, you creates employment, so there's a massive visitor, visitor economy, and there's 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 a great private sector there, and, and our city centre is is one of the best city centres in the country. It's, it's a fascinating place, but uh, I, I want clean air in every single neighbourhood in Birmingham. Um, I want active travel in every single neighbourhood in, in Birmingham, and to do that, we've got to expand um, the, the measures. So the, the, the measures are around recreating neighbourhoods um, and, and ensuring that uh, we support initiatives right across Birmingham um, is is really really important. So active travel in every every neighbourhood, expanding our segregated cycling infrastructure right across the city, um, so it doesn't come to a stop at a particular place or it only starts when you get close to the city centre. We need to ensure that it goes uh, right across the city, um, and and public transport zero emission public transport right across our city. So um, the we're introducing a number of cross-city bus routes, but the most important bus route in Birmingham is not a bus route that actually goes into the city, but it's the 11 route that goes across inner city Birmingham right, all the way around. It's the longest route in Europe. Uh, it goes past 300 schools. Now, I don't want the bus providers to be putting all the clean green buses coming into the city centre and putting the old um, polluting vehicles on that 11 route or on the 8 route, which is also um, goes across the inner city, uh, around the, the, the inner city of Birmingham. I want our, our, our greenest buses. That's why when when Boris announces the zebra funding uh, for buses moving forward, I want to ensure that when Birmingham gets those 200 hydrogen buses that I'm confident that we will get, we'll put the, some of those onto the 11 and the 8 route to ensure that we've got zero emission uh, buses operating there. Um, so this is a this isn't a plan for the city centre. This is a plan with some key principles of how we'll move forward in the delivery of our transport projects um, right across the city. And I want to ensure that we've got a good balance of investment right across this city, uh, so no no neighbourhood is left behind by the Birmingham transport plan. Thanks to Councillor Wasim Zafar. There's a photo of him and a link to Brum's plan and my Guardian article on the show's website, which is at, as I hope you all know, the-spokesmen.com. Later this afternoon, I'll be talking to multiple Tour de France winner Chris Froome and Peter Morgan, CEO and founder of Hammerhead. That show will be in your feed real soon. But meanwhile... Get out there and ride.